So this past week, I was able to go and speak at a chapel service here in town. And so since we've been talking about trying to kick for the center and not kick to the corners, you know, and I've talked about the percentage of time that, that professional soccer players will try to, on a penalty kick, you know, go to the outside instead of kicking towards the center and the fact that the keeper stays in the middle only 2% of the time. I thought, you know what? I'm going to share this with the kids that I'm going to be going to talk to. Now, I knew that some of our kids had already heard the statistics and everything, but I thought, you know, there's about 400 other kids that are going to be a part of this that, that maybe had not heard about it. And so I go and I walk in, and as soon as I get into the lobby area, I meet one of our kiddos who looks at me and goes, oh, so it's the soccer thing again, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so I was like, oh, hi, yeah, it is. It's okay, you know, yeah. And, and, and so I, I continue then to, to go into the room that I'm going to be speaking in. And at that point in time, I, I, I saw a, a teacher who part of our church family, you're already ahead of me, who looked at me and said, soccer ball, huh? Guess we're going to get that old soccer thing again, aren't we? Yes, Miss Becca, we were, and we did. <laughs> but you know, today, you see on the screen, we're continuing a series that's called Different, Right? Continue a series that's called, that's called Different. And so even though I have walked up here with my soccer ball, and even though some of you were like, oh, here we go again. It's the soccer ball thing. We're going to do something different. Yeah, we're going to do something different. In fact, here, Wesley, you just keep that soccer ball right there, all right? You just keep it. I don't want anybody thinking that we're going to talk about how that we need to kick to the center and how that we need to be unafraid. And I don't want anybody thinking that we're going to reference in any way how that only 2% of the time the keeper stands in the middle, but everybody always kicks the other way and because it's fear that keeps us from doing the thing that we should be doing. I don't want to talk about that. No, I want to do something different. Why? Because today is Sunday, January 28th. Yes, it is still January. It is. It's the month that never ends. And I don't know if you felt this way, but does it seem like we should be halfway through February already? Right? Doesn't it seem like we should be further along in the year? And I know that the snow and ice only lasted, you know, for a few days, but man, it really has messed up my sense of time, and, and maybe it's been the same for you. And I don't know if, I guess we're going to have to wait until Friday to find out if Punxsutawney Phil or Chattanooga Chuck are as confused about things as we are. Did you know that Groundhog Day is coming, right? Groundhog Day, coming on Friday, and besides it being the time when a large rodent does his best prognosticating, it is the 31st anniversary of the Groundhog Day movie, right? Man, th this is giving people some good feels right here. It's the Groundhog Day movie, 31st anniversary. This is a movie that in 2006 was selected by the United States Library of Congress to be preserved in the National Film Registry, forget this, being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yeah, a movie about a guy that just relives the same day over and over and over and over again. 
people said, we got to keep that movie. We got to make sure that everybody sees this. It can't go away. <laughs> Groundhog Day, if you haven't seen it, recounts multiple days in the life of cynical weatherman Phil Summers. As he gets stuck in a time loop and he relives February the 2nd in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Now, while Phil comes to understand that he has already experienced this day many times, well, the other townspeople are oblivious. And they keep doing the same things over and over and over again. But not Phil. Phil decides that if he is going to be stuck in this loop, if he is going to repeat this same day, and if he knows what all the other people are going to do, then he will do something different. He'll do something different. And so the film follows his attempts to experience the day differently. From him trying to escape Punxsutawney, to him learning new hobbies, trying to fall in love, even rodent napping the town's groundhog. By the way, did you know that groundhogs are also woodchucks? Did you know this? Okay, you're smarter than I am. I had no idea until I'm putting together things for this message today, and I found out that the groundhog is actually a woodchuck. And then I was like, I've always wondered, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And then I realized, I know now why we have that little, you know, the little saying, he never chucks wood because he's always looking for his shadow. I'm like, now, now I know. I understand now. He doesn't chuck wood. He looks for his shadow. He's different. No matter what Phil did, it seemed like nothing ever changed. Nothing. Not even dying could prevent him from waking up the next morning to Sonny and Cher singing, I've got you, babe. It just kept playing on the radio. Now, I don't want to give away the ending for all the millennials and Gen Zers who haven't streamed the movie on Amazon yet. But let me ask you this. If you were Phil Summers and you were caught in a loop where everything and everyone repeats, would you have the courage to do anything differently? Would you have the courage to be different? You know, in some ways, this is not a hypothetical question. Think about this. We wake up in the morning, we get out of the same bed and make our make and order our same coffee. We, we take the same route to work or to school where then we go into the same office or sit in the same classroom. We spend our lunch time with the same people. We go to the same meeting place afterwards, whether it be the gym or the bar or the church or the restaurant or the ball field. We listen to the same podcast, the same radio station. We come home to the same house that has the same yard and the same needed repairs. We watch the same streaming service. We binge watch the same shows. My family right now, we're in a, a binge watching season of the original CSI. And there's like 50 seasons of that, I found out. I didn't realize. No, I mean really, there's like 20 something seasons. We're like in season three and one episode ends and Tanya looks at me and it's like, well, we're we gonna watch another one. And I'm like, we got to, we got, we got 21 seasons left, we gotta go. Round and round we go. Round and round we go. 
Round and round we go, and every day is Groundhog Day. We become so accustomed to our daily routine and comforts that we don't even think about doing things that are different. And even today, many of us are still in our Sunday morning routine. We parked in the same area. We got here around the same time. We entered the same doors. We picked up the coffee and donuts. We grabbed communion. We eventually made our way to the same seat or at least the same area. Some of you have like put down tent pegs. This is your spot. And you sat down and began participating in the same order of services. And then in a few minutes, we'll either engage in some light conversation or or we'll just leave because that's just what we always do. Or we're going to go to a small group study room that we always attend, so accustomed to our Sunday routine and comforts that we never think about doing anything different. And, just our, and that's just our daily routines. That's just our Sunday morning habits. Is it any wonder why we often find ourselves in indulging in the same destructive habits and sins and we just keep going through the same routines and saying the same things and going through life in the same way? It's Groundhog Day. It's what we do. And it's been happening to God's people for a long time. After 40 years of wandering, God brought the kids back to see if they would have a different attitude, if they would be courageous and do what their parents were too fearful to try. So on the banks of the Jordan River, Joshua told the people, tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Now it's important to notice that Joshua is going to focus the people. He's going to focus their vision on God and not the river. Because the river was at its flood stage. And for three days, the people had been camped out there beside the overflowing water. Possibly they couldn't even look and see across to the other side. And yet word began to spread among them that when they saw the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, their God, that they were to move out and they were to follow. They were not going to wait for the floodwaters to recede. They were going to follow God into the water. And now, look, I know that many of us, we like to wait until all the conditions are right and until all the puzzle pieces fit. We like to wait until we are sure and until we are confident in our health and in our wealth. And we like to make sure that all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. But friends, I want you to understand, as you look at your life and the way that you are living that life before your God and the way that you are going forward in your Christianity, in your spiritual walk, if we spend all of our time waiting for life's rivers to recede, we will never witness God's power and might. Because I don't need God if the water is only ankle deep. I don't need God if I can see to the other side and know what is going to happen next and where I'm going to step my foot next and what is going to happen next. I don't need God if I can carefully control every action and every response and I know where my kids are going to be and I know where my marriage is going and I know the job that I'm going to have and I know what church is going to look like. I don't need God if I can see everything that is going to take place. But have you noticed how God seems to call 
and ask us to follow him when the water is rising. Follow him when the money is tight. Follow him when morale is low. Follow him when opinion is changing. Follow him when it's going to cost friendships. Following him when it's going to mean sacrifice. If we spend all of our time waiting for life's rivers to recede, we will never witness God's power and might because we don't need him. But I believe that our God still wants us to do great things. I believe that there are still rivers to cross, but we cannot wait until the water becomes calm. The Israelites didn't. And I love, I love the simple way that Joshua described what happens next. He says in Joshua chapter 3, it was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. Now, when we're just going through some of our casual Bible readings, this is one of those passages that it's just easy just to, to fly right through. But when you read here that the, that the water began to stop when the priest stepped in, you might kind of have into, in your mind that all of a sudden the priest stepped in and then it was one of those, you know, Hollywood moments where all the waters then just began to part that it was Charlton Heston back playing Moses there at the Red Sea and everything just, just parts because there he is standing there with the staff. But that's not what it says happened. It says that the flow of water stopped at a town called Adam, a town that was 20 miles upstream. 20 miles upstream. That means when the priests start walking into the water, no one could see anything change. All they saw were the priest going further and further into the river. All the people could see was the water rising higher and higher on their bodies. Because what God was doing was happening 20 miles upstream. But the priests were focused on God and not the river. And so they continued to walk until they were there in the middle. And because they did what God asked and because their focus was on what God was going to do and his promise, because that's where their focus was and not on the river that was rising up around them, the entire nation was able to complete the crossing on dry ground, we're told there in chapter 3. The entire nation. You see, eventually the water stopped flowing. Uh, eventually, the water receded. Eventually, everything dried up. But not right away. And that's hard for those of us who say amen and then open our eyes and say, God, why hasn't anything changed?
Today, perhaps at this very minute, God is waiting to respond to your courageous faith. But he might be doing his work 20 miles away in order to accomplish his mission. You might not see the answer to your prayer right now. You might not be able to see the, 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 the waters of debt going down. You might not be able to see right now your health changing. You might not be able to see a difference in the attitude of your children. You might still be having troubles with your spouse. There can still be hard things going on at work. Things within your spiritual life still might seem dry. But it does not mean that God is not answering your prayer right now. So what step do you need to take? Perhaps you need to step into God's family this morning. Perhaps you've been walking all around the water's edge and, and you've been here with our church family and, and, and you've kind of tiptoed around and, and you've experienced some things that we do together, whether it be in large assemblies like this or you've been a part of some of our service opportunities and you've been on the outskirts, but now it's time for you to take that step. And you know what you need to do? You need to be baptized into Christ this morning. And you know that. You need to repent of your sins this morning. And you know that. You need to run to God as the Savior of your soul. And you know that. And God is waiting to respond to your courageous faith. Or maybe you need to step out into ministry. Maybe you have been, maybe you, you, you have been a follower of Jesus for a long time. But but even though you've been a follower of Jesus, somehow you've missed the fact that he has been leading you to be involved in the lives of others. And he's been leading you not to be closed-fisted, but to come, to come into life empty-handed. And you need to step out today in ministry, and, and you need to, to volunteer, and you need to lead, and, and you need to sacrifice. Or maybe you need to step up to maturity today. You've been in church a long time, but you are still as spiritually immature today as you were 20, 25, 30 years ago. Your patience is still at the same level. Your generosity, you're still at the same place in, in your giving. Your anger, you're still struggling with. You still have a problem when it comes to, to being flexible and to dealing with change. And there needs to be a maturity that, that begins to develop where your trust in God is greater now than it was before. God is waiting to respond to your courageous faith. I believe the history of this church is a history of people with vision. I believe that we stand on the shoulders of men and women who would not accept the status quo as being good enough. And individuals like the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh who crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites. There have been men and women of great faith who have sacrificed and paid huge prices so that we could enjoy the community of faith that we enjoy today even though they themselves are not here. And now here we are in 2024. And I don't want us to become comfortable. And I don't want us to lose the vision that God has for us. Because I know there can be this strong temptation to say, let's just keep what we have and let's just keep building up our walls and let's just enjoy where we are. 
But that's the thinking of sightseers, and that's Groundhog Day thinking, content with the same ministries, and the same strategies, and the same attendance patterns, and the same impact, and the same outcomes. Where we are supposed to be conquerors, not wanderers. We are supposed to be men and women filled with courage who pass on a legacy of faith to the next generation. And that's why when the Israelites finished crossing the river, they piled up there at their campsite 12 stones that had been taken from the river. And Joshua told the people, in the future your children are going to ask, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before their, their eyes. He kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we all had crossed over. And he did this. He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. He said, I want the kids to know. I want the kids to know what has taken place here. The land that they were stepping into was occupied. The cities fortified. There were giants in the land. And there were going to be moments when it would be easier to turn back than to go forward. Days when the people would want to give up. And over time, the people, they would grow old. And no one would be around who remembered Egypt. No one would be there who remembered the fear that was caused by the spies' report. No one would be there who remembered the years of wandering. There would be no one left who would cross Canaan on dry ground. So God set up a reminder, a reminder for future generations. It was a monument with a story so that each generation could be told that you don't have to fear the river. Whatever the river might be, and whatever sacrifice that you might be asked to give. And it was important for the people of God then. And guys, it's important for the children of God today. We must tell and we must demonstrate to future generations that they don't have to be afraid of life's rivers. For the spirit that God has given to us does not make us timid, but it gives us power. And so in our children, and our grandchildren, when they hear us worrying over stuff and situations and decisions, instead of being faithful and saying, I'm just going to give this to the Lord. I'm going to give this to the Lord. Well, they learn that life is to be lived holding on instead of letting go. And when they see us hesitant to go big for God, then they learn that caution is to be prized over boldness. And so I believe that the next generation needs to see people who've enjoyed a long walk with God. People with some silver in their hair who are willing to take risk because they know who God is. People who step out and say, yes, I'll volunteer at a homeless shelter. Yes, I'll chaperone a youth retreat. I'll lead a small group. I'll sing on the praise team. I'll go on that mission trip. I'll be the one to lead the Bible study. I'll be the one to sit with the friend. I'll be the one at the hospital. I'll be the one who will commit to prayer. They need to see people who are more concerned for others than themselves. People who 
are willing to sacrifice now so that someone else can enjoy a relationship with God later on and in the future. Our children and grandchildren need to see people who have a childlike faith that lives out the words of the song, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. People who aren't afraid to step into the river. It's why I love that Joshua's buddy Caleb Joshua's buddy Caleb, the other spy who had initially told the people, we can take the land. We, we can go. The people are big, but we can take it. That when he was 85 years old, when he was 85 years old, and after he had gone now across the Jordan with the people, and after they had been able to go into the promised land, and they had been able to, to subdue that land, when he was 85 years old, he was given the choice of where he wanted to settle and where he wanted to live. I want you to listen to what he said. He said, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me on that day. Now I love that attitude. I love the attitude of saying, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to take the hill country because that's the land that was promised to me and that's where I'm going to live. But Caleb, but Caleb, don't you understand that that's where the giants live? The giants were seen in the hill country. The giants that the other spies came back and said, we can't go into the land because we're like grasshoppers in their sight. The giants are there in the hill country. I know. I'm going to go whip them with my walker. That's what I'm going to do. Now, I don't know if he had a walker, but here's what I know he did. He lived in the hill country. And not only did he live in the hill country, but his children lived in the hill country. And his grandchildren lived in the hill country. And as the journal for Joshua was being completed... It would say that the descendants of Caleb lived there to this day. I don't know if he used a walker. But he and his descendants inhabited the land, we are told, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And you know what God said about him? He said, my servant Caleb is different. My servant Caleb's different. There's a different spirit about him. Well, he, he, he's, he, he's different. Why? Because he follows me. He serves me wholeheartedly. And friends, that's the spirit that we need to pass along to the next generation. A spirit that is unafraid to serve the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, no matter the challenge or the sacrifice, or the time in life that we're living. Man, I love it. What a story. Let me close out with this. Lou Holtz was a football coach for, for many years, and I, and I love a story that he told about that when he was the age of 18, he and a good friend of his, Neville Stockdale, decided to swim across the Ohio River. 
They were going to begin at the Chester Bridge and swim one mile. And when they reached the other side, they would actually be in West Virginia on the opposite shore. Now, after a quarter of a mile, the two were side by side. But at about the halfway marker, Holt said that Neville began to fade back a little bit. By the three-quarter mile mark, Neville decided that he could not go any further. He couldn't make it across, he said. So he begins to, to shout to his friend Lou, and he says, I'm turning back. Well, Lou told him, look, you've only got a quarter of a mile to go. In West Virginia, it's only, it, it, it's only a little bit further, and it's actually closer to you now than Ohio is. But Neville was afraid. And so he actually turned around and he swam back to the Ohio shore. And Lou Holt said that his buddy swam a mile and a half all because he did not believe that he could swim a mile. Friends, how many steps have you taken around the water's edge? All because you did not have the courage to step into the water. You've been on the perimeter of faith. You've been on the outside of church, kind of looking in. Somehow, some way, Friends, I am determined to motivate us as a church and as a people to charge into the next chapter of our history. Whether we're those little ones who came down here earlier to give their offering or it's our teens who are right now trying to decide who am I truly going to serve or whether it's our, our young adults who are beginning to leave college wondering, well, I wonder what life is going to hold for me next to those young adults who are right now adulting and figuring out, man, the water, it rises and it gets high. To those who are in those parenting years, those who have the teenagers who are trying to keep their head above water, to those who now the kids are gone and maybe things are a little bit easier and it's just one of those times where you feel like, you know, I just think I just want to sit and I just want to be still right here. To those who do have silver in your hair, who perhaps have decided, you know what, I've come far enough. I want somehow, by the Spirit's help, to lead us into the next chapter of history, unafraid to be different. And I'll tell you why. Because I believe that God's people still have a river to cross and a land to take. We are not saved to stay safe. We are saved to be sent. Our mission is to go forward and compel others to be followers of Jesus Christ, serving God wholeheartedly. So don't be afraid to be different. Instead, be afraid of staying the same, the same today as you were last week or as you were last year. Be afraid of doing the same spiritual routines over and over and over. Be afraid of repeating the same destructive habits and sins. If you were Phil Summers and you were caught in a loop where everything and everyone repeats, would you have the courage to do anything different? Well, friends, you're there, and the moment is now. Stop waiting for the conditions to change. 
Stop waiting for other persons to change. You do something different. You serve God wholeheartedly and start today. Father, my prayer is that for each one of us, no matter how close we stand right now to the river, no matter what sacrifices we are looking at making, no matter what in life right now is bringing us fear, that we would gain courage by looking at those who have gone before us, that we would remember their faith, that we would see the sacrifices that have been made, and that, Father, that your Spirit would strengthen us so that we would not be afraid to go into this next season of life, that we would not be afraid to serve you wholeheartedly, that we would be able to step out of the routines that we find ourselves in, those routines that keep us only seeing the same people, that only having the same conversations. Father, that we would step out of those routines that are harmful to us and that are sinful before you. That we would step aside from those actions, from those thoughts that keep us walking away from you instead of, Father, running towards you. That we would be individuals who would realize that, you know what, life is short and we only have a small time in the window of eternity, but that right here and right now, that we would live our lives for you. Father, would you give us the courage this morning to perhaps step out in front of these people, to confess the name of your Son as being Savior, and to be baptized, to have sins washed away? Would you give us the courage this morning to step out in front of these people and say, you know what, I haven't been connected. I haven't been concerned. I haven't been putting God first in my life. Father, would you give us the, the courage this morning to leave this place renewed and inspired and encouraged to be different? Father, as we pray these things, we know that as our prayer ends, that we might not see anything happening right now in our life. That you might be working 20, 30, 40, you might be working a world away. But Father, we trust that you are good and that you do all things well and that you are working. May we have the courage to be different and walk into the river that is our life and serve you wholeheartedly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, if you've been moved to respond in any way, would you please come as together we stand and sing.